You are listening to Visionaries and Leaders. Each week, we give you an insider's look into the minds of the greats. Learn what makes them tick and how they tackle the biggest challenges that brought them to the top. Here is your host, Richard Lorenzen. Hey guys, so we're here today with the Grant Cardone, entrepreneur, best-selling author, sales trainer, real estate mogul. And uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit about how he got to where he is today and, and what made him successful and a little bit of... I, I asked scenes. Richard first, though. I said, how'd you find me? He's like, man, you're not hard to You're find. everywhere. Right. I mean, you're everywhere. You're, you're writing on Entrepreneur these days. You're all over social media. You're just crossing the country speaking. So yeah. It's not, it's not hard to find Grant Cardone. Uh, so let's start at the beginning. Okay. Where did Grant Cardone get his start? You know, what were you doing? What was your well, first Well, I was job? a cell. I was a cell. I was, I was a, you know cell that broke apart <laughs> um like everybody so uh you know look i uh, where i got my start in lake charles louisiana i grew up in in, in uh, the bayou uh my dad died when i was 10 my mom then raised three boys there was five kids in the household and she raised three boys and she had basically we were middle class and she had enough money to for us to be grateful which means you know we 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 had we never missed a meal we had a roof over our head. We had air conditioning and heat. We actually had a car. Some of my friends didn't have cars. We had a car. We had a car. We could get back and forth to school. And, and we did have an education. And we had clothes. We had all the things. I had shoes, you know. And, and um, we had food in the refrigerator. But, dude, with that, with, with that, let me tell you what else we had. We had fear constantly. It was constant, constant fear. I mean, that's what I remember about my childhood mostly. It was fun. We had a great time and everything. But there was this... Like, almost like having a migraine, but it wasn't migraine. It was fear. It was constant financial fear. This is 30 years ago. That this, this has only gotten worse for hundreds of millions of people in this country, in my, in my estimation. And so, you know, I grew up when I was 16 years old. What, something happened one day. I remember exactly where I was. I was in the kitchen. I was freaking furious with my mom. And I was like, I'm going to get rich one day. Because she kept saying, turn the lights out. Everything was, everything was, be grateful. We have so much more than people in China and India and that comparison was constantly made. And I'm like, why are we always worried about, you know, clipping coupons and what we can buy and what we can spend? It was just constant. It was grind. I just blew up and just said, one day I'm going to grow up and make it. And when I do, I'm going to help other people. She's like, you ungrateful little bastard. (laughs) So then given that beginning, where did, where was your first job? Where did you start working? Well, my first job, I mean, I had many, many jobs. I was fired from my first five jobs. I worked at McDonald's. I worked at the refinery. I hated the refinery job. Um, I was paid $2.75 an hour to hydroblast. I don't know if you know what that is. This big, long gun. You tuck it up against, it's got a hose, water coming through it at like 4,000 PSI. It literally holds you up. It's like a jackhammer with water going through it, and you're, you're shooting it down pipes. To, to knock coal out, coal, the, the black product that comes from petroleum that would gook up and you'd have to go in there and clean it at 5 a.m. job from 11 to 5 a.m. You probably don't want all these details, but I had that job. I had a, a, a job where I sold clothes at Gaydry's, okay? I sold clothes and weed. Uh, <laughs> um, I, what else, what other jobs did I have? I had a job at a furniture store. All women, all chicks in there selling furniture, calling it sticks. That's when furniture was actually made of wood. And uh, 
I had a job off uh, offshore where I, I, we, we, we had a supply boat and we'd go off for two weeks at a time. So I had a lot of different jobs. Lost most of them. Got fired. Bad attitude. So some of those jobs were sales jobs. So is, is that when you yeah, figured but I out? Was, dude, they, they, I didn't even know I was in a sales job. I, I just knew I was getting a paycheck every hour. I'd be like, okay, I worked an hour. I just earned $2.75. You know? And then two hours. Hey, I got $5.50 before taxes. So these were to me, they weren't really sales jobs. I didn't understand that I was supposed to do something. I thought, I mean, I knew it was a sales job, but I thought I was, I mean, I was being paid by the hour and every once in a while I would get this commission, but it was so negligible. If I sold a guy $70 worth of shirts, I would get like $5. That was kind of a big deal, but dude, it's still just $5. I don't care if you go back 50 years, it's $5, it's $5. So when was the point when you decided Okay. The, 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 the job, the, the, when I understood sales for the first time, and I'd had three or four part-time sales jobs at the time, uh, when I really understood it was when I was selling the fish on the way back from my offshore job. And we caught all these fish. I was offshore su uh, providing supply boats with food, um, supplies, anything they needed offshore. These rigs, they sit out there. Somebody brings them. Somebody brings us the Gulf of Mexico. We'd go off like a hundred miles. It was awful, man. And 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 um, and we'd go bring them supplies. It was called a supply boat. And then we'd come back in. Well, while we were out there for two weeks, going to different rigs and bringing them supplies, we would fish in between. Fish, read, sun. You know, you just sit around and do nothing. Three guys on a boat. And um, that's a good title for a guy for a book. Three guys, <laughs> Three guys on a boat. boat. And uh, we catch fish. Well, we caught all these fish. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fish, you know, hundreds of pounds of fish. And I sold them on the way back when I got to town and I made all this money. I made more money than I made like literally in three hours. And I'm, I'm like, that's sales. Okay. You so know? that was the aha moment. That was decided, the aha moment. Okay, because, I'm going to get into sales. Because you had, I had to knock on a door. I'd go walk into the state farm agent. Hey man, I got a bunch of fish. I had to create, I had to knock on a door. I had to create attention. I had to create a need. I had, to, I had to operate with urgency, and I had to collect money and close the deal. It wasn't come back. I'm like, come back, dude. The, I, I'm running out of ice, okay? The fish are going to go bad. The fish are fresh. You can smell the fish. I'd cut it. I mean, I, I had this whole, and, and that's when I really said, okay, this sales game could actually, if you learned how to sell, not how to wait on a showroom floor in a clothing store, and you walk in, can I help you? And you're like, yeah, yeah I need some socks. And then I get the socks. That's not selling. You know, that's waiting. So then from there, how did you improve? How did you start? Well, well, then I finished college. I, I went to, I went the college route because my mom convinced me that it was the, the thing to do. And my uncle said it was the thing to do. And everybody, of course, was saying it was the thing to do, which, which should have been an indication it wasn't the fucking thing to do. <laughs> but, but I did the school thing, the college thing, hated every single moment except for maybe one class one night that was run by an ex-CIA agent. Um, that, that, you know, that guy, that guy was a cool dude. So other, otherwise, it, the whole thing was a complete waste of time. No offense to anybody going to college. The whole thing for me was a complete, utterly useless waste of time, if I haven't been clear on that. And, <laughs> and because my intention was, my, I didn't know why I was there. I, had, I, I was there for somebody else. I wasn't there for me, and I didn't know what I was going to learn. So um, got out of college, couldn't get a job. And, of course, who, who hires a guy that can't get a job? Sales. Sales company. So then I go to the sales company. I freaking bounce around there for two years. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. 
And then one day I'm like, I got to quit hating this, man. This is the only people that will hire me. Only chance I have. I got to get my money right. And I got a sales program. I bought a sales program uh, called an 800 number. This is before anything was online. Mm-hmm. Bought it. Three grand, man. $3,000. To me, that was a, like a deal. It was cheaper than college. And I uh, borrowed the money from my mom. Listened to it. And I'm like, oh, man, I was turned on. I was lit up. I, that was 30. Let's see. I was 25. That was 32 years ago. I haven't stopped since. That $3,000 changed my life. What, what were you selling? I was selling automobiles at the time. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. But one of the worst sales jobs you could possibly have. <laughs> Everybody hates car salesmen. So what would you say then was the most important thing? My family hated me because I sold cars. <laughs> okay. During those years, yeah. what did you learn that was the most important attribute that still helps you today? Well, well, the thing that I learned was, you know, I mean, some of it's just daily, just principles that have nothing to do with sales, commitment, you know attitude, controlling your attitude, getting to places early, staying late, having ownership, um, looking around you. I mean, like you got to look around you. If you just look around you, don't, don't, don't just look to learn from people what to do, learn what not to do. Like that was a big thing for me. I remember one day I looked around, I'm like, Gene, Kenny, Jose, I still know him, Jimmy and Bobby and Terry. Who else was there? Yeah, that's about it. Okay. And the chick, whatever her name was. Uh, the sister. I looked around. I'm like, I don't want to be any of these people. And none of them. Not even the owners. The owners were lost. Okay. I'm like, okay. He he thinks having a a boat and going fishing is a big deal. Jose wants to read the newspaper. Jimmy's overweight and 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 drinks too much. Gene is smoking weed all the time and will never have any money. And it was me, man. I'm like, I don't want to be these guys. That was a big deal for me. I have learned as much in my career from what not to do by looking at others as what to do. So how did that drive you to eventually move away from selling cars to doing? Well, what happened was, what happened, that's a great question, because what happened was I got really good at selling cars, okay, in a very short period of time. I wasted two years, and then within 90 days after that $3,000 investment, I became like you would think I was a superhero Just like that. Dude, I was like it was magic. I mean, I went from nothing to magical. Like like literally people were like, "How would you do that, man? That guy had no intention of buying anything and he bought two. These are cars. These are 25,000, 30,000, $35,000 purchases. The average salesman in that dealership was selling eight cars a month and I'm selling 25 and 30. I'm selling four and five times what anybody else sells. I'm selling what an entire team sells, right? And, um, so you start getting recognition for that and, you know, literally the, the, the store that I worked at was, became dependent upon me. Now I'm just a lowly sales guy, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not car salesman that people hate, but I'm literally running a company. I'm not a manager. I'm not in control. I'm not the owner. And in some months I'm making more money than the guy that owns the place. Um, and I was taking ownership of this deal. And what happened was I told him, I said, look, you got a guy that works for you that's stealing money from you. And, and the, the owner said to me, um, mind your own business. And I said, what? And now I was cocky. You know, I was arrogant. I was that, what, what do you call it when somebody becomes too big for their britches? The diva. <laughs> What's a diva guy called? Uh, there's a word for it. There, there are words. There, there, <laughs> there it's a big word though. <laughs> but, 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 but anyway, I, the guy told me, he's like, mind your own business. So I went to my office, packed my stuff up, left, and uh-huh. they were out of business in nine months. 
I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I wasn't going to take shit from anybody. Okay. I'm like, there's no way, man, I'm not going to be this productive and have somebody. I've always been a bit like that, you know, a big mouth, have a big opinion, you know? And, and so, you know, you get whacked sometimes. And then my deal was I'm going to go out and teach people how to sell. I had no intention of doing that at the moment, but I, now I was without a job. I'm like, okay, do I go sideways? Do I go sideways and just go get another sales job? Or do I go try to make a difference? And then I went out for the next three years and uh, called on car dealers, which which was completely different than selling automobiles. Because uh, now I'm calling on a guy that's a millionaire, not trying to sell you a Honda or a car at three thirty a month. Totally different pitch. Right. That's where I learned to sell. So that's kind of where your business started to evolve to evolve to yeah. where it is today. Yeah, that's where I became yeah. a, a consultant, a coach. Right. So that's where I started building a name out. Okay. And now today you have you have Cardone University. Uh, you have your sales training company where you consult with other companies. Right. And you also have your, your real estate business. Right. We have the Cardone Group, which is a, the, the Cardone Group does all automotive sales training. They're the largest automotive sales training company in the world. We started with a piece of technology there. I mean, this thing's changed a lot. We have Cardone on the band, Cardone University, which are online platforms, has 17 million users. Only about 30 or 40% of our business today is automotive. The rest of it is like across the board from furniture stores to plumbers to roofers to dentists chiropractors we work with the u.s army i'm getting ready to fly back into fort bragg or fly into fort bragg and uh, do a thing for military people that are in transition helping people get jobs we've done we do a tv show here we do five shows every week on business money right, finance career the Grant Cardone tv network yeah so we got a lot going on over here i mean this has gone from car sales guy to you know developing technology to media to online platforms to a real estate portfolio that's got about $400 million worth of real estate in it. Nice. Yeah. So is, is that all because you see the market for how sales training is done changing? Because now people are, you can reach people through social media or you're finding, you're reaching them through your TV network. Is that yeah. why your company is evolving? Well, no, I think, I think the company's evolving because I just look at things that I do well and I, and I try to share that with other people. And, um, you know, I think if you if you help enough people, help if you help enough people, they're going to get better, and 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 somehow it's going to help me. So what we what we do here, what we build the companies on, is basically what does Grant know how to do well? And so I just take a piece of paper. Okay, what 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 do I know how to do well? I, I know how to sell. I know how to I know sales. I understand sales better than any single individual or company on planet Earth. I'm not talking about sales 25 years ago, or 30 years ago, or 50 years ago. I'm talking about right here, right now in the real world. So that's one thing I can teach people, okay? What else? Oh, social media, man. I learned social media for myself. I didn't turn it over to an office. I didn't hire a company. We have never, ever hired anybody to teach us social media. I learned it by banging on Twitter and Facebook. Oh, I could teach people about how to do that. Oh, we know we know how to make uh, phone sales here. So I literally, I literally sat down with a piece of paper and I write these things. Oh, I know how to buy real estate. I've never read a book on real estate. I bought almost $600 million worth of real estate around the United States. So I could actually teach a course on that if I wanted to because, oh, I know how to make money, man. I know how to work from home. See, these are all things that I can teach people. So I'm, oh, I'm going to write a book on that. So right. I bet, number one, I better understand it. I better, I can improve my understanding of it and I can share it with somebody else. And maybe in that collaboration between the writer and the reader, the, the teacher and the student, both, both parties actually learn more. And I become more enhanced because of it, and, and, and so do they. And, and then I get to feel good because maybe I help somebody. Right. 
So you mentioned your real estate business. Yeah. Uh, when did you decide real estate was going to be a big deal? I trade? had two companies going. I had the uh, sales training company going, and then we created the the uh, Cardone automotive section that's run out of Orlando with a partner now. And in the meantime, I was buying real estate. And, I, and I've always wanted to buy real estate. My dad used to drive around and look at property when I was a kid, six years old. And I remember being in a car with him. And I think there's some people out there watching that just love real estate. You just have this thing. You're like, dad, I know that's a good thing. So um, I was 33 years old on the weekends. I would shop real estate in Houston, Texas. I did it for three years. I didn't buy anything for seven. I ended up leaving Houston, went to San Diego, bought my first apartment building there. Uh, it was 38 units. And th 60 days later, I bought 48 units. And then I bought 98 units. And then I bought, you know. Mm -hmm. And now we got, I think, almost 4,000 units. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So building everything that you've built now and I don't know training. what I'm doing most of the time. Just to understand <laughs> this. I, I mean, everything that I've ever gotten into, you know, it's like, well, you've never done that before. Dude, every, everything that's ever been done on this planet somebody did for the first time, you know? So none of these things, I never started a company. I was never in sales first. I never knew anything about social media. I never bought a piece of real estate until I bought a piece of real estate. I've never been married before. You know, I never had kids before. I had kids. I'm like, oh, I got to learn how to, what to do with these kids, you know? So every, there's a first time for everybody on everything. Doesn't mean you can't be good at it. If you just stay focused on the things you want to do, right. then you're willing to commit your freaking energy and, 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 and move through the hard stuff through. And hopefully there's going to be a big payoff for you. So when you're looking at a new venture that you're thinking about going into, what's your thought process look like? Really, I don't have a thought process. I see something and I decide, dude, I want to do it. And just, whoa, you know. All in. And then, then the next, or, or for instance, like we're getting ready to do, I'll give you two examples of things that we just keep putting off. For whatever reason, they're just not happening. And maybe I'm not personally ready yet. But we want to, I want to bomb CNBC with an ad. And I want to do an infomercial. And so I keep putting it off. I know I'm going to look back later. Yeah. I know I'm going to look back, but we, we keep talking about it. We haven't done it. So something's in my way. Something's hanging me up from doing it. I know once I do it, I'm going to look back and say, dude, should have done it. You should have just done it earlier because I know I'm going to make it work. Because once we do something here, like a webinar, people told me about doing webinars for probably two years. I didn't do the webinar. Then when we did a webinar, dude, we blew it out. It was we First, we did it completely different than everybody else. We charge for our webinars. We don't give them away for free, okay? They, they, we don't tell stories for one hour and then give somebody a piece of data. We open with data. We did everything reverse. Like my whole life, I've been doing everything kind of reverse, trying to prove everybody wrong. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It seems to be turning out all right. Dude, I get a guy like you comes to my office in Miami to interview me. I mean, look, look I'm doing great. So is that what holds a lot of entrepreneurs back then, you think, is just that, you know, they, they know they should be doing something? Yeah, I think people spend it. a lot of time figure, figure. They wait until they're like 90% there. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at Donald late. Trump, whether you like Donald or not, you know, you know, Do Do right. Do Donald, he, 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 he's not getting data from everybody else, you know. Got instinct and he's like, hey, in. this is the right thing to do. Steve Jobs used to say that, you know. How would people know what they want? That was his famous line. How would people know what they want? I haven't told them yet. And, and there's a, a tremendous amount of arrogance associated with this, like, this, this heavy authority that I know better than other people. But, I, you know, I got to tell you, man, most of the people out there don't know anything. If you look at the condition of most of this planet today, clearly mass numbers of people, billions. I'm not talking about millions of people. I'm talking about billions of people 
maybe five billion out of seven billion, are completely lost, unconscious, in a cloud of not knowing, all looking around. What should I do? What should I do? Dude, everybody you're asking what they don't know either. So then there's this, this many people out there. They're like, this is what we should do. These are the right ones. Okay. It is the guy that says, I'm not doing that. We should do this. It is those, it is those unpopular movements that, that you see on the tabloids. Those are the things that interest me the most, man. Show me something that everybody's saying that's crazy. That might be the most interesting thing rather than everybody saying, oh, yeah, that's the way to do everything. That's the way everybody's been trying to do everything for years. Look at look what condition it got you in it. So so I just I think I think entrepreneurs need to quit thinking everything through. Dude, hey, try this. Will somebody give you money for that idea right now? Well, the idea is not ready. Well, then dude, you, why, why don't you get the why don't you formulate it to where it's a product somebody can exchange money for? Because if they won't exchange money and time for it, it's not worth anything. Right. So with that said, then, do you think that maybe it's a personality thing? Are entrepreneurs born or are they made? Well, I don't think they're born. I think I was born a baby. I think all, you know, I think a lot. There, there, there's a guy that was here last week and he's like, oh, yeah, it's in your DNA or it's not. I said, well, I don't, I don't believe that. You know, I don't, I don't believe it's in the DNA. I think if I, took, if I took Josh out of my office, he's an Internet guy. He came here seven, eight months ago. This guy's a freaking beast now. Well, I got to tell you, the beast happened in the last 45 days because the first six months and 15 days, I wanted to blow him out every day. And I just kept pounding this guy. Like if you get in the right environment, mm -hmm. you know, if you, if, if, if I, if I, you, you either become a piranha or, or, or you get eaten. So, right. so like, I guess everybody, some people are like, oh, I can't live in this environment. Well, if you stayed in that environment long enough, if I go to Asia, if I go to China and live in that Chinese environment long enough, I'm going to pick up uh, Mandarin. I'm going to pick it up sooner or later. I got to get immersed, though. I think the entrepreneur needs to get immersed with other entrepreneurs, not that are thinking or writing at entrepreneur.com, but guys that are actually taking, doing right. deals, working things out. That's why I think Trump, Trump, Trump's done deals. You know, I bring him up. I'm not, I'm not endorsing Trump, but I'm just saying when you do enough deals and you handle enough heat, okay, and you, you, you negotiate enough very difficult deals, and you have people unwinding, and these are huge monster deals, right? And then right. people, at, at Christmas time, I'm thinking about this deal I was in. I was renegotiating $2 million off this $30 million deal, and people were freaking, dude. They, they, they were, God damn, bye, calling me names, and you did this. And I'm like, why are you calling me names? I'm the only buyer. It's December 24th. I'm trying to buy your shit. Nobody, anybody else trying to buy it? Why are you blaming me, man? Now, I've done some big deals like that, and people get emotional, and they get freaked out. I'm like, why are you guys getting all upset? I'm not upset. And can you can stay calm when there's three lawyers on their side threatening you with lawsuits, the owner's on their side, you know, and he's like, oh, you're a terrible person. I got two real estate agents, and everybody hates me. And I'm like, why is everybody upset? And we still close the deal? Dude, that gives you like, like I don't need their, I don't need their input. I had seven guys against me. I, 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 yeah, I remember this uh, deal I was in in Tucson, Arizona, and there was, they had four lawyers, two accountants, two owners. I don't know what that number is. Two real estate guys. I had one guy on my side that was also on his side, like nine people in a room. I'm by myself. My guy, my real estate guy, was half on my side and half on their side. <laughs> Truth is, he was just on his side. <laughs> okay, he's just trying to get his fee. And these people are freaking. This deal is $52 million, and they're telling me, you know, they're trying to, I'm selling it and they're trying to unwind the deal 
for less money. They're trying to stay in the deal, but they want to pay less. And man, I closed everybody in that room because I was like, I said, you guys didn't come here, man, to get a deal, to get a lower price. You came here to close the deal. And me dropping it 2 million or 1 million doesn't change the deal. It just doesn't change that. I negotiated with one of the richest families in the country. I know I'm a hard guy to do an interview with, by the way. But I, I, I negotiated with one of the wealthiest families in America, and they wanted to deal on my deal. These, these are multi-billionaires. I'm talking top five richest people in the world, mm-hmm. in the world. And they were buying a piece of property from me, and they wanted to deal, dude, and I shut them down with one line. That gives you so much confidence, right? So people need to know you have that. If you were willing to invest in yourself, to build the skill and the backbone, whatever that DNA is you have around you, which is to survive anyway. And economics is a survival point. I need economics to survive. I need a wife and kids to survive, okay? I need people around me that believe in me to survive so my name can survive after me. I need books and products. So I need a publishing company. I need... Somebody that comes up with a great title and a great color, and I need a great website. I need all that stuff to survive and push my name out so you can discover me. I need an office, man. I need a building. I need the, 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 this, whoever owns this piece of property to be in business and stay in business so you can come here and visit. I need a studio, dude, and cameras and lights and a utility company. I need all that so that I can perpetuate my name and my brand and my ideas. You know, and people need yeah. that. But first thing you need is commitment, yeah. a backbone, and then, and then just wake up the DNA. This is where me and Vaynerchuk di- disagree. He's like, no, no, you can't make an entrepreneur. But I'm like, well, I, I'm, I'm making myself a better entrepreneur every day. What do you think? So, what do you think? I, I think you're 100% right. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I know yeah. Vaynerchuk also, actually, he just wrote an article about this saying our entrepreneurs born were made. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, his answer is basically that entrepreneurs are born. You're either born yeah. with it or born yeah, without yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, And, you know, entrepreneurs are made. Totally. You're not born a politician, a plumber, a roofer. Uh, Your environment influences what you end up doing. And and, uh, so you want to be successful in sales or as an entrepreneur. What's the most important trait uh, that you think you need to commit to every single day to developing and improving? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that's a big question. But like, 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 you know, the first thing I look at every day is my is money. No, this, this is a conversation. No, nobody no, has. Numbers. Nobody says this. Nobody, nobody says, "Hey, I look at my money every day." I have a business to make money. First, okay. Do I want to help people? Absolutely. My business will not survive. No business survives if you don't continue to help the client, the customer, or whoever that is, right? So whether it's Netflix or Starbucks or Walmart, you don't keep helping people. Your business is going to die if you don't have a top line, a revenue line in your company, you will cease to exist. Now, I know a lot of you out there watching this are saying, yeah, but what about Facebook? And what about Twitter? And what they're, they're not going to exist if they can't perpetuate and uh, generate revenue. Facebook is because it makes a lot of freaking money. Okay, Google, because it makes a lot of money. But there's a lot of these startups right now. And a lot of these um, internet companies that are not making money, and they're, they're going to cease to exist. So you have to make money. I would tell you to follow the money. Find something you do that you like to do that, that people would be willing to exchange money for in order for you to do it. Okay. So is that the biggest mistake then you think you see entrepreneurs making right now is that they're so focused on raising funding or becoming the next unicorn uh, that they're not focused enough on, on their own P- P&L and making sure that they have yeah, sales? Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, I think you're in a period of time where anybody can raise money right now, but can you raise it two and three and four and five times? 
or is this just going to be one time and you bust out? You know, we, we, we yet to know. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of guys have attention on the billionaire, the unicorn story. I wouldn't worry about the unicorn story myself. You know, I'd worry about the financial independence story. And, and I know a couple of unicorns. I know a guy just sold his company for $21 billion. Will he ever do that deal again? Will he, I mean, he, he would sit here and tell you, if I would have waited six weeks, I wouldn't, wouldn't have done the deal. I couldn't do the deal. It's really like Mark Cuban missed. Mark, if Mark Cuban had waited, I think, 34 hours or something, he wouldn't be a billionaire. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what all that is. I know this. I got to take care of my family. I don't need to be, be a billionaire to do that. I do need to be a millionaire to do that. I believe that people need to start setting their targets at, first of all, everybody watching this is going to be a millionaire. Everybody. You're going to make a million dollars in your lifetime. Now, the question is, how many of those can you put together so that you can actually take care of your family and go on trips and do things? Because everybody, everybody can, even if you work for somebody, you can become a millionaire many times over, but you got to have the commitment to do that, the why to do that. You got to have either be in a vehicle or create a vehicle to do that. Um, but I think there's a lot of people out there that are entrepreneurs that, that don't have money attached to the entrepreneurial story. So how's that being an entrepreneur? Right. What, what am I? The, the, I'm the poor entrepreneur. Well, who's going to buy that book? Mm -hmm. how, how I was an entrepreneur and never made money doing it. Right. Chapter one. That's the end of the book. <laughs> I mean, what's the yeah. story? You know, I want to hear from the guy that can take care of his family, right? Not just like anybody that we talk about, Walt Disney, bank, almost bankrupt three times. Uh, Ford, Henry Ford, almost bankrupt. I think he went bankrupt once. And so, so how do you keep putting it together in the discipline to save enough money, put enough money together, keep expanding out to become something? So take us through a typical day in the life. Grant Cardone. I know you're a busy guy. Yeah, yeah. So. I, you know, I, I try to get eight hours of sleep every day. Um, I, so uh, let, let's go back to that really quick. Yeah, yeah, How do you yeah. manage to get eight hours of sleep? Well, because it seems I, like I be, can never get more than because four. I, I do time. I, I I I'm a big math guy. I like math. I like numbers a lot. So, twenty four hours less eight leaves me with sixteen. Everybody says there's no time. I'm like, dude, you got sixteen hours. Okay, I spend. I slept with my daughter last night, right? So she's six years old. Put her to sleep. I said, you have five minutes. Okay, five, at the end of five minutes, you're either asleep or I leave. Okay, and I'm going to come back and sleep with you tonight. So I spent, you know, all night with her. She's like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. You're going to sleep with me tonight. You know, dude, that's, that, that was a way for me to both get my sleep and spend time with her. She was tripping on this deal, right? So I have 24 less 8, 16. I'm multi-purpose. Everything that we do, we multi-purpose. We never use anything one time. I have 16 hours. If I spend an hour with my wife and an hour with my kids, I have 14 hours left. By the way, my wife does not require one hour a day, nor do my kids. At 15 or 20 minutes, my kids are like, dude, we got enough, man. We got enough of you. We're cool. And my wife, she does not need one hour of my, my needs. If you have a wife or a husband that needs one whole freaking focused one hour every day from you, you live and sleep with Dracula. Okay, I'm just saying, okay, that person needs to get a life. If they got to have one hour constant, nobody, who needs one whole hour? Right? Nobody. Okay, get a life, man. So, so, um, you know, my wife is totally on board with, with me. So this is one way that I get a lot done is that my wife wants to support my dreams because my wife knows that my dreams support her dreams. You know, they're completely interconnected. 
I have 14 hours left. In those 14 hours, I'm going to do something to bang something to get somebody to know me so that somebody will want to do something with me or somebody will hate me. Okay. We actually have a goal to get people to dislike me. <laughs> and, 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 um, you know, we're, ta- we're on attack those 14 hours is the best I can do. I'm going to, I'm going to be on attack. I fill the calendar up. I don't really manage time. I think Sherry will tell you that. I don't really manage my schedule. People give me a schedule. Hey, this is what you're doing today. And then I bitch and moan and groan about it the whole time. Piss at that. Why am I doing that? Who's that guy? Right? But then I show up and do it. Awesome. And then I lose track of time. Okay? I mean, like, like, I don't know how long this interview is. Right? So it doesn't matter to me now. Once I'm in it, it doesn't matter to me. Once I'm in a periscope stream, okay, or I'm in a blab. Like, I added a blab last night. It was almost two hours long. I did a gig here the other day. We promised three hours. I did four and a half hours. On my way home, I did a 20-minute periscope. When I got home, I did an hour and a half blog. That means I had an eight-hour day of nothing but flowing content to people, all on different topics. Awesome. Grant Cardone. Dude, you're awesome, man. Okay, you guys go all in, man. Be crazy. You're like, where do I find the energy? You know, just commit. Commit to doing an interview with a guy like this. You get to talk about it. You get to know somebody. You get to collaborate. He's an awesome dude. Give him some props. Where can people find you? Everywhere. Open your computer. CardoneUniversity.com. Grant Facebook. Cardone. Grant Cardone on anywhere. Snapchat. Snapchat. Also, every day I'm doing every day I'm doing an anchor, a wave. That is awesome content. In the morning at night, I drop a two-minute recording on what you can do, learn about business. They're very kind of very serious, kind of like broadcasty, uh, but you'll get a lot out of those anchors. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.